your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. In the studio with me this hour is Judge Mark Huseman. He is the Lacrosse County Court Branch Three. Lacrosse, did I do that right? Lacrosse. I want to throw district in there, but it's not. It's Lacrosse County Court Branch Three Judge. Lacrosse County Circuit Court Circuit Branch Court. Three. There right. it is, Circuit Court. I didn't say that. Uh, you've been you've been doing that since uh, July or since August. Um, you took over for Judge Todd Bjorke, who retired, and Governor Evers appointed you. Uh, been doing that. How's that been going? Oh, it's uh, been a wonderful experience so far. I'm learning a lot. I had been a longtime attorney. I had done um, civil and criminal jury trials in both Minnesota and Wisconsin. I've been a lawyer for almost 30 years. So a lot of what I see in court are things that I've dealt with as a lawyer, but it's it's still very different and quite a learning curve when you're on that side of it as a judge. Is it, but you've been a judge. You've been a judge before, right? I have. I was the Cooley Region Joint Municipal Court Judge, which covers a, a, basically all of the municipalities in Lacrosse, um, except for the city of Lacrosse. I did that um, since 2020. Since okay, so you you lived through a pandemic doing that. So that was probably a, a learning experience. Get getting that job and then doing it like in that way. Right? I I got sworn in right during the height of the pandemic, and let's just say that was surreal. And what was it like uh, having Governor Evers appoint you? And I should say, you're running for re-election or election, if you want to say, uh, that April on the April ballot. You're you're running to continue this position as uh, the Branch Four Circuit Court Judge here in La Crosse County. I am. The governor's appointments are usually for one year in length, and then you have to uh, run and get elected for the following uh, six-year term. So that's what's happening in April. So first of all, was it? Like, what was it like getting appointed? And is it like a job application? You have to, you go in and interview or does, does the governor just go and pick somebody or? Oh, it's an incredibly intense. The vetting process is very comprehensive. Um, the application part, um, I, I worked on for weeks, literally. And then you have, um, people that submit letters of support. And then if you're selected for an interview, which I was, um, you end up going into the governor's conference room and it's very intimidating. There's probably about 15 or 20 attorneys that sit on this panel and it's a governor's panel where um, they interview the prospective judicial candidates and then they make a recommendation to the governor. So walking into a room like that and then they ask you questions uh, and you're just shooting from the hip, it's, uh, it was... I would need a towel with me. I would be wiping my forehead off and be like, what's wrong with you? And be like, oh, this is a lot of people looking at me right now, judging oh, me, yeah, it was which intense. is ironic, right? Like, <laughs> right. Um, all right. So some of the things we want to talk about here is just uh, what you do as a judge and what you will continue to do. I think uh, I think a lot of people, just the, talk, the good talk radio topic would be talking about the bond system, the signature bond, the cash bond system. We can get into that a little bit. Um, I've had conversations with Lacrosse County District Attorney on this show, Tim Grinke, with uh, just how inefficient I feel sometimes the court is, being that I'm not always in court, so I could be totally wrong there. And then I know you wanted to talk about treatment courts, which I don't even know. I guess I'm not. You're going to have to tell me what that does, uh, what that is. And then uh, the, the easiest one, I think, would just be like what you do as a judge uh, and and uh, you know what your day is like. So. All right, we're going to continue this conversation with Judge Mark Huseman when we come back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. In the studio with me is Judge Mark Huseman. He is running 
for re-election here or election. I guess when you're appointed, I don't know how to say that because I guess it is re-election, but it's also you haven't uh, gone through this pr- process yet. I would say I'm running to retain the bench. Retain the bench, right. yeah. <laughs> he is the Lacrosse County Circuit Court Branch 3 judge. He's been doing this since August 1st. Uh, you're one of five of, of these uh, Circuit Court judges here. Um, and I, I just want to talk about, like, we all know what a judge does, kind of. If we've been in court, maybe a little bit. I've, I haven't had a lot of experience in court, but then, or we watch TV shows. First of all, is there, uh, give me this, is there the best TV show that portrays what a judge does? And is there a word, not reality TV, let's like not do like Judge Judy, but maybe you're a fan of hers, but um, is there a good TV show that, that, that depicts this? And is there a bad one? You, or maybe you don't watch TV shows. <laughs> Honestly, and uh, over my uh, lifetime as a lawyer, I haven't watched many um, shows about the law. Unfortunately, I've been watching Suits, and that is uh, a terrible depiction of what the legal system is. Okay, <laughs> it's just very unrealistic, but it's it's entertaining, I guess. Um, I can't think of any one particular show that, okay. that really stands out. Well, when I when I ask doctors this, they say like ER and uh, the guy with the cane, uh, House. They say those are the worst. The, those the, and then they say like Scrubs is more realistic, which is a complete, which is funny because it's a comedy, right? And it just, I don't know. So, well, I, I think one of the reasons there isn't a, an incredibly realistic portrayal is a, a lot of what we do is um, it's kind of a grind, and it's it's not the the sexiest stuff in the world. We're dealing with real life and and real problems, and and I think people when they watch TV they want to escape and they don't want to see those things. What about Night Court? Way back. Oh, that was a great show. Was that show like depict at all? Like that's there's another one where it's a comedy, but I don't know if that gives anyone any. And I don't even remember watching the show. It's I was little. Yeah, it's a comedy, so let's let's leave it at that. I, it's not <laughs> it's the best ridiculous. portrayal. Uh, but yeah, okay. Getting back to what I was kind of getting at is like, what do you what do you do? You know, like what does a judge do besides uh, you know like hit the gavel and uh, you know like yeah? Can you just break it down a little bit? Sure. So Wisconsin has 72 counties and every circuit court judge, we are what are called courts of general jurisdiction, which means that we can handle anything uh, that falls under Wisconsin law. Now, some counties that have a lot of population like Milwaukee or um, maybe Brown County or Dane County, they will have judges assigned to specific areas. Like one judge might handle felonies. Another judge might handle uh, misdemeanors. Uh, in our courts here in La Crosse County, all of the judges are, we are general judges, which means we can hear anything that falls under Wisconsin law. Does that make your job harder? Um, I know, I'm not sure about harder. It makes it broader. So we have to be a jack of all trades. So well, this speak. is like uh, an old sports journalist you're talking to here. Um, if you go to weekly papers, the sports journalist was the journalist, the photographer, and he put the pages together and oftentimes their own editor and then if you got to the top of the top, right, like Boston Globe or, or something like that, you were a columnist and all you did was sit in your underwear and watch games and, and then gripe about it in the newspaper. And you just wrote whatever you felt like you didn't have to do any work. So it was like as you get to the top, you know, like like is a Wisconsin Supreme Court's judge job easier in that scope versus someone like you who's got to cover everything. You know what I mean? Well, I, the courts are broken down into two main categories. There's trial courts and there's appellate courts. So what we do here in La Crosse County, the five judges, we are trial courts. And at the trial court, what we determine are two things, facts and the law. And when we do a trial, the jury determines what the facts are, and the judge takes care of the issues of law. Now, 
if somebody is unhappy with what happens at the trial level, then it goes to the Court of Appeals. And if uh, somebody wants to appeal beyond that, if they agree to take it, then the Wisconsin Supreme Court takes it. So the appellate courts look at things very different than the trial courts because we are actually trying to determine what the facts are at our level. At the appellate level, they accept the facts already as true. And they're simply looking at whether there was an error uh, at law or error in law. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Judge Mark Huseman. He's running uh, for election here in April. And uh, I-, I will just say, like, do-, do you do the typical thing that every other person that's running for office does? And it's always the, the big one is like, I knock on a lot of doors because you want to get face to face with people. Although that's like the least efficient way to get uh, your-, your name out there and get people to know you, but also the best way. I've been so not- are you doing the same thing everyone else is doing? I certainly am. I've been knocking on a lot of doors. And I find that's a great way to meet people. And, you know, we live in a polarized climate. One of the nice things about running for this position is it's nonpartisan. And I'm very upfront with people like that. You know, they ask, well, what party do you belong to? Well, I don't belong to a party. I'm an independent. We don't want our judges belonging to one particular party because when litigants come into the courtroom, um, we should be evaluating their cases based on what the facts and the law are. Do you think it's weird that other parts of the law do have, like our district attorney is a party, our sheriff is a party, and then you're, and do you get that question a lot when you, you, you told me when we talked on the phone that you, I think you said thousands of doors at this point, or right. a thousand. Um, I don't know. I bet a lot of people go right away. Are you, I don't know if they are that upfront about it. Are you a Republican or a Democrat? That seems like where we live nowadays. I do get that question, but it's not as often as you think. Okay. I, I think a lot of people do understand that our judges in Wisconsin are nonpartisan. That's good. But I will get that question occasionally. And honestly, I, I sort of use it as a teachable moment because I, I try and get to people to see that we, we shouldn't want our judges to be political. Yeah. And then going back to having, do should we be in a world where our DAs and our sheriffs aren't aren't that way either? I, I guess, to be honest, I hadn't given that any thought. Oh, really? I, I really hadn't. What about electing these people? Electing a DA, electing a judge, electing a sheriff. I, these are all just law enforcement. I could just do the judge thing. Uh, do you think these positions should be elected? I like the idea that they're elected. I, I think this is, a you know, the United States where we have a democracy. And, and I think the more that we hold our um, leaders accountable to the voters, I, I don't see that as a bad thing. Um, when it comes to the Wisconsin Supreme Court, also elected um, lately, you know, over the last couple of months, we see a lot of the Supreme Court judges in the media, you know, lambasting this or that, getting and I, and that, and that's a court I would say that's nonpartisan, right? But very partisan. What like do you have any opinions on on that and just the, the way that that court is kind of, you know, we can see the divide there. Well, I. I don't like all the money that's going into the races. I, I think that's about all I'm going to say on that. Are you that. jealous? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's pretty neat. I mean, I've, I argued one case in front of the Supreme Court earlier in my career. It's it's pretty intimidating, but also yeah. it's the pinnacle of our profession. Because when you're going in front of the Supreme Court, whatever decision uh, they render, you're, you're making new law. Mm-hmm. And, and for a lawyer, that's our stock and trade. Um, getting back to what a judge does as a, you've been doing this since August 1st, what have you seen a lot? Like what is, is there, can you categorize these are the things I'm seeing the most? Well, again, the things that I see as a circuit court judge, it is general. So I'll handle everything from, you know, family law and civil work to, to criminal. But 
you know, the, it's true. We are seeing significant challenges in our community regarding mental health and, and drug addiction. And I think the best way to most effectively deal with that is to try and find ways to help these people get mental health treatment and or get them sober. And a lot of this, Rick, is what we call co-occurring disorders. When people come in with mental health issues, usually there's, there's some kind of substance abuse going on with that and vice versa. People, a lot of people that have substance abuse issues also have some underlying mental health concerns. And I think that's what makes dealing with those issues so complicated is you sort of have to be uh, attacking them uh, at, both at once. Well, I feel like they're, are they, it's not illegal to have mental health issues. But you would have to see this person come into court having done something and then determine that. Is that up to you to determine that they have mental health issues or how does that work where you're like, and then what's the what's the strategy to getting them there? And is that up to a judge to help them get mental health treatment? Sure. And the way that we can look at it, there's mental health challenges that people have that aren't criminal. So I think you're kind of correct on that. And we we have people in our community that struggle uh, that maybe can't care for themselves because they have a significant degree of mental illness. And, and we have proceedings in the legal system to deal with that that aren't criminal in nature. Right. But then we also have the other side where we have people that are coming into court that are accused of crimes. Uh, and they are struggling either with, with reality or they're having uh, some kind of mental health crisis um, that it makes it difficult for them to to basically you know, act appropriately in public. I, I was going to say, do you see that a lot where their mental health stability or ability leads to them breaking the law? And therefore, as a judge, you have to kind of determine, all right, does this person, you know, need to go to, you know, prison or whatever, or does this person need to go to, to I don't know. I, it, like, this is where I don't know what a, what a judge does or how the court works in that regard. You know, you sentence them to mental health treatment versus something else. You know what I mean? Sure. So, you know, each case is evaluated on its own merits and each case is its own specific facts. So um, I'm hesitant to say there's a one size fits all. And I shouldn't say that mm -hmm. because you need to evaluate each case based on its own merits, based on, uh, the, the defendant that is there in, in standing in front of you in court. And so we have to assess it and figure out, hey, what, what's going on here? Is there some kind of need for treatment or is there a substance abuse issue? Because some of these things can be taken care of through supervision on probation. That's one of the, the reasons we place people on supervision is, hey, uh, let's try and get this person the help they need because when they're sober or they're not having a mental health crisis, they're not committing crimes. And I think that's a huge first step if we want to start eliminating or reducing the number of people coming in and out of jail. Let's treat the underlying problem. Sure. And then when you do that, do we have enough of that ability to help these people? Do you, do you see a need for more? Or is it like, well, the challenge is getting them the mental health treatment that they need because there's not you know, the ability for that? Which is probably beyond your scope, but like also here's the microphone, like we could, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. If I was king for a day. Um, mental health in our society is a challenge, let's put it that way. It's, it's not just what we're dealing with in the law. The, the pandemic, I think, laid that open. Mm -hmm. um, we have a shortage of mental health professionals in the healthcare system. Um, so I think people are struggling. I think we need to do more in our society to allocate resources for mental health because it's a huge problem.
Is there a, a limit to that where, you know, the alternative, okay, this person is beyond mental help and now we have to punish them in a different way? Well, that again, depends on a legal standard, whether their mental health condition is such that they're, they're an NGI, not guilty by reason of mental defect. And we don't have an extreme number of cases where that happens, right. but occasionally that does happen where, you know, they're not held what we, I'm just going to say this legally responsible um, under an, what we call an NGI plea. And some of those folks uh, then get sentenced um, to um, a, a psychiatric hospital or a, a, a state institution until they, um, until they've resolved their, their mental health issues or, are deemed safe to be uh, in the community again. And I'm paraphrasing a lot yeah. of this. I mean, it's, it's, I think, it's a complicated thing. I think mental health is something that everybody says that is, is, is a struggle in the U S or even what you're seeing. Also, it's, it's like, we don't have enough people working in that. And also it's the hardest thing to talk about. Like it's the hardest thing to kind of understand because if you haven't lived it, like you've seen it more than anyone, probably most people anyway, but like a lot of us just like probably just don't understand the, the conundrum there. Well, it, it's the stigma. And, you know, I, I served many years in the military and I, I run the Veterans Court. I'm one of the founders of the Veterans Court. And that court is designed to help veterans that are struggling with either mental health or substance abuse from, um, you know, related to their service. Things like PTSD and so forth. And we have a lot of people in the court system, not just veterans, but we have a lot of people in the court system that are suffering uh, trauma. And unfortunately, you know, there's a, there is a stigma regarding mental health issues. People have either shame or hesitancy to reach out. And where I'd like to see us go as a society personally is I'd, I'd like mental health to be like kind of like breaking your arm. If you break your arm and you go into a clinic, nobody says anything. Oh, your arm is broken. Go get treatment, right? I want us to be at that point with mental health, that when we go in, because we're having a mental health crisis or some other uh, issue that we're suffering uh, from from a mental health perspective, uh, that it's viewed simply like going in and getting your your arm fixed. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Lacrosse County Judge Mark Huseman running for election here in the upcoming April election, nonpartisan election. We're going to continue this conversation when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. In the studio with me is Judge Mark Huseman. He is the Lacrosse County Circuit Court Branch Three Judge. He is one of five Circuit Branch Judge Branch Three judges here, appointed by Governor Evers in July. Took over the position in August, and he's running for re-election or election in the upcoming April election. The election nobody talks about. We just skip this election and go right to to President Biden and and Donald Trump running. And I, I will say that you are running against at this point. There's only one other competitor, Candace Tolastash, a lacrosse attorney. Yeah. Do you think it's funny? We just kind of like we the, the most important election that we have is coming up in April. But only thing that anyone ever talks about is the next one. Right. Right. And I, I think traditionally it's it's hard to get people to turn out uh, for spring elections when there isn't something significant on the ballot. And I, And I don't I'm not trying to say that former President Trump or President Biden being on the ballot isn't important, but you got to wonder if the, the pie is already baked or half-baked by the time April uh, runs uh, for us. So, Well, the April election, we have 20 county board right. seats up for election. I think, uh, if I remember right, I'm trying to think of 20 of those are 
a lot of those are contested. No, no primary. No and primary. then the lacrosse school board, I don't know. Like maybe you have an opinion here. When only three people, we have three open seats for the lacrosse school board and only two people run. I mean, that's kind of kind of says it. We don't get a lot of turnout. We don't even get turnout for people running for these positions. Well, and I, as a former school board member, uh, I have some thoughts on that. I spent two terms on the Holman School Board back in the early 2000s, and that work is incredibly important. I mean, the work that the school board does, it determines a lot of things that happen with regard to taxes and expenditures, but also, uh, you know, things that happen within the district itself. It's very important work. And um, frankly, I, I wish more people w- would run for those seats. The lacrosse school board's meeting on Monday only lasted four hours. So you talk about like the commitment it takes. Maybe that's why only two people ran for three seats. Well, I will be the first to say no one's doing it for the pay. All right. So going back to what we were talking about before, just in, in terms of now, you mentioned before the break, you created a veterans court. I don't even understand that concept. You kind of threw that at me. I didn't know that what that was. What does that mean? Sure. So um, I'm a military veteran. I'm a retired lieutenant colonel. I had 29 years of service. And Judge Bierke, um, I was one of his court commissioners, and he's a retired colonel uh, from the Army Reserve. And um, he, when he got on the bench in um, 2007, uh, we started to hear, well, he started to hear about um, veterans' courts initiatives, and the first one was in uh, Buffalo. And so he started putting a group together to try and develop a veterans' court. I was one of the original members that helped develop that. And the idea is that um, we want to offer a treatment court so when veterans that come into contact with the court system uh, we want to, first of all, we want to ensure that they're getting services. There are a lot of veterans that are very proud, um, but are also struggling and they don't ask for the help or get the help from uh, things like the VA or they don't approach their, their county um, veteran service officer. And so we want to try and get them the mental health uh, and uh, um, help with substance abuse that we can because we have a lot of veterans that. Um, suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder and other things related to their to their service. And sometimes they're either self-medicating uh, with drugs or alcohol um, or they're just having significant mental health problems and they're not getting adequate treatment. And so part of the treatment court concept is that we want to hold people accountable for their behavior while at the same time offering them um, some hope and an alternative um, to so that they can get better, really. When, when you say you created a veterans court, are they going through a different system than what you're doing on a regular basis? Right. So we have three different treatment courts here in La Crosse County. We have an OWI treatment court, we have a drug court, and we have a veterans uh, treatment court. And the idea is each of those courts you know, fulfills a specific need. If somebody um, is a repeat drunken driver, one of the things we want to do is get them sober. And so what the um, OWI court does is it's very rigorous. There's a lot of testing with it. Same with the drug court. And we certainly aren't letting people off. They are being held accountable throughout the process and they're held accountable at the end of the process, but it's a little bit of a carrot and stick. The idea is to get them sober and perhaps we can look at some kind of alternative disposition to their case. Um, And that we find really helps the community because as I said, Earlier, um, if we can get people the mental health treatment they need and we can get them sober, a lot of these people are not going to continue to offend or won't offend again. And so 
that concept is true of the veterans court as well. If you're a veteran and you get into some trouble, one of the alternate dispositions is that they can be sentenced essentially or referred to the veterans court where we will work with them and we set up multiple phases and it's strict. There's drug testing twice a week, drug and alcohol testing twice a week, and they have significant um, requirements that they have to meet to go through each phase. And at the end of this, we're hoping that they come out uh, a healthier, happier person and frank and, and hopefully not hopefully, but also uh, not getting in any, any more trouble. All right. We're speaking with lacrosse County judge, Mark Huseman, uh, running for election here in the upcoming April election. Um, we've kind of covered some of what a judge does. Uh, did we, we didn't really, do, did we do the structure of a court system? Like just, and when I had the DA on, I just kind of talked about how inefficient this is and how it takes years and years sometimes for these trials to go through. COVID didn't help that. I think we're still a little backed up there, but is there a way to make co- the court system more efficient? And do you have the power to even do that? Or are you just kind of part of the system at this point? I don't know if I really have the power to change that. I think one of the things that has helped with efficiency is, you know, Zoom, I think, is the genie's out of the bottle, so to speak, with that. We use Zoom quite a bit in the court system now, and I think that helps with some of it. Um, Earlier, when you and I were talking before this interview started, you mentioned how long people sometimes have to wait in court just to maybe enter a simple not guilty plea. Uh, Hey, I get that. I recognize that. I represented people as a criminal defense attorney uh, for years. Well, and, it, and the thing is, is I don't want you sitting next to me when I just have to go in there and go not guilty because you're, you're charging whatever it is per hour, you know? And I'm like, I don't even have this money. And really you're just saying not guilty for me. And then we're leaving. We were here. It took 12 seconds, you know, and I was here for an hour. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And unfortunately the, the mechanism, uh, the way the court structure is set up, things are not overnight. Uh, part of this is due process rights as well especially if you're charged with a serious crime, we're not going to make you do a trial tomorrow. We're going to give you the time to fully and adequately prepare because at the end of the day, if for some reason the jury convicts you, we don't want you coming back saying, hey, I didn't have uh, ample opportunity to prepare a defense. We want to ensure that everybody's guaranteed their constitutional rights. Uh, And frankly, some of that takes time. What are you seeing? We're going back to what are you seeing the most of? Um, Are you seeing a lot of guns, like gun incidents going through the court system? Um, I, I would imagine when you talk about mental health, I think a lot of that is affiliated with uh, drugs or alcohol. But is guns like how much how many of these court cases just deal with guns in a situation? And are guns a problem to you? I, I mean, crime is crime. You're always going to have guns related to crime. I'm not sure if I can speak one way or another. Um, I don't know if I've been on the bench long I was enough to say, identify you've been a doing this since August. Right. So. Well, I was a, a, a judge before that as well, too, with the municipal court. But. I think the more significant issues, um, in my humble opinion, um, are are the mental health and the and the drug issues. Mm-hmm. Really, that's uh, we see a lot of really nasty stuff. Um, you know, this wasn't ditchweed from the '80s. We're talking about we are talking about really caustic, uh, damaging drugs. Fentanyl is killing people. Uh, crystal meth is eating people's brains. I mean, I say that euphemistically, but. This, this, these drugs are, are absolutely horrendous, and, and they're wrecking people, and that's part and parcel of why I think we're seeing an increase in some of the mental health concerns, um, because if anybody has even just sort of some slight issues in their lives, uh, these drugs are exacerbating these problems to such a degree that uh, it makes it really difficult to treat one without the other. So you can say that when you're as, as on the bench, you can say that 
you're seeing a lot of that, a lot of drugs, a lot of, and, and, and more fentanyl. I think when it comes to drug overdose deaths, we've set a record, I think last year with, with, uh, overdose deaths and fentanyl was a big part of that. And now we're seeing a new drug. So you're seeing that more. I am. And the new drug you're referring to is Trank and I haven't seen it a lot, but it's here and we're going to see more of it. And so I think we need to do whatever we can to stem the rising tide of that stuff. All right. And when you see some, when you see people go through the court system, um, I guess the, the other thing that we don't, I, I would say, I'll just say, I don't, I don't think put my words in everyone else's mouth is the, the bail bond system and the, the signature bond and the cash bond. And, you know, like if we make a headline, it's how much you gave that person for a, a, a bond, you know, $600,000 bond, or he signature bonded out. And then a lot of times the, the, the talking point there is if that person signature bonded out and committed a crime the next day, like that's your fault. You know what I mean? Like, and then that becomes a, a headline for, for days. I appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate the fact that there are some people in the community that, that are upset because they think we're letting people off uh, with, with all these signature bonds. But the reality of it is that when we evaluate people that are coming before us, if they're charged with a crime, there's some things that people have to remember. Number one, they're presumed innocent. Um, and so we can't just lock everybody up because they're charged with a crime. We have due process. This is the United States. The other thing, though, is we have to evaluate a number of factors. One of the main factors is um, the, the purpose of bond is to ensure that the defendant will return to court for further proceedings. We have a system to evaluate that. We have a uh, justice support services, and we do um, public safety assessments where these things are scored, and we look at their criminal history or lack thereof. Uh, we look at whether... Uh, we, we just, we're generally looking at stability. Have they missed court in the past? What is the level of seriousness of the crime? Um, all of these things are factored in, and the judge has to make a, a decision uh, on the spot. And I Do you think that system is, is good? Does it, could it be better? I think we're doing the best we can under the circumstances. I think we're trying to bring a great level of objectivity to it by using the, the scoring system. Um, we, the legislature, you know, passed a, a law uh, within the last couple of years in which they identified a number of serious crimes where, you know, now we are, you know, looking more seriously at cash bonds for some of those things. I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. I think that's... It makes your job a little easier, right? Like if they do this, then this is the thing that they, this is how they're going to go through the system. I, I would agree with some of that. I think they're giving us direction in that regard. Um, and when the legislature says, hey, for this set of crimes, you should have a cash bond or we're strongly recommending a cash bond, you know, that's, that's the public telling us this is, this is what we like and this is what we want. But the, the, the part about evaluating bond, it, it is complicated. I'm, mm -hmm. Um, have you have you have you had someone come out on signature bond and then they're back in court the next day? Have you has that happened to you yet? That's happened. Yeah, and I, I don't know if there's any way to completely eliminate that. Um, again, you're you're making a decision based on arguably limited information in front of you, but I will also say for each person that would do that, there's a whole bunch of people that you let on a signature bond that don't violate their yeah. bond. And that's where we really need to focus on this is what are we willing to bear as a society in terms of cost? 
Because if everybody wants to throw everyone in jail the minute they're charged with a crime, if we do that, we're going to have to build a lot more jails and you can watch your taxes go right through the ceiling. So what I'm trying to say in, in, the, in the best way possible is we have to just carefully strike a balance between public safety and all of the other factors uh, that I just mentioned. Yeah, the, the bond system, it, it, when, when that one person does the thing, it depends on what the thing is. If they signature bond out the next day they commit a crime, well, if that crime is heinous, then it's like, then it becomes a headline. But that's like, I don't know, it could, I feel like it's less than 1% of people that go through the court system that signature bond out that end up doing the thing that the Waukesha parade, right? The, 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 the guy that drove through the Waukesha parade. Yeah, that that was heinous and that was awful, and we we all wish that he wouldn't have bonded out and committed that crime. But that, that that's got to be like less than one percent of people that happened to this. I, I couldn't even give you a statistic on it. I the Waukesha thing obviously was incredibly tragic, and I think people had a visceral response to that, and I understand that. Um, Is I there a statistic? I know you can't give it to me because you don't have like. The, the the binder out, but is there a like here? The, are, do we track that? That'd be interesting to know. I, I'm sure somebody tracks it. To be honest yeah. with you, I don't have uh, that available. I probably could get that information um, for you, but I think the majority of people that we release, uh, well, and honestly, then it doesn't. It's hard to track too because like the, the someone could signature bond and then be back in court the next day for breaking a window or something, right? Like I don't know if breaking window, but for committing a crime but, that isn't heinous. Rick, I think there's also something that isn't discussed and that should be talked about more as the community has this discussion. Uh, there are people that we set cash bonds for that also commit crimes, even though they're out on a cash bond. Mm -hmm. So there's that aspect to it too. You know, if people are going to do bad things, I mean, we, we try and put limits on that, but I, I don't want the perception to be that it's just simply all these people that are on signature bonds are, are going out and committing crimes right. again. Some of these people also are released on cash bonds and sometimes they're even high cash bonds. It's, it's the vagaries of what we deal with in, in the criminal justice system. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. That, it, it seems interesting sometimes that if someone has a high cash bond and then they bond out and you're like, well, you didn't even have a job, right? That would be like, maybe it's a drug dealer that just works in cash. And then also, you know, Oh, I, I, again, I feel like I'm just talking, we're just talking about outliers here that, that, that proves that the, the, the system is the system working or does it need to be changed again? I guess the legislature did kind of tinker with it. Right. And some of these things are best left to the legislature. I mean, we, we all have our roles to play. You know, our, our role is to administer justice according to the laws that are passed uh, or established by the legislature. All right, we're going to take one more quick break and wrap up with Lacrosse County Judge Mark Huseman. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk. Lacrosse, Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Sola. We're just going to wrap up here with Lacrosse County Judge Mark Huseman. He is running for election here. The upcoming people always say like, uh, what is the date? April A April second. April second is the election. But in my head, I'm always like, April second is when the election ends. That's the last day you get to vote because you can you can vote early and stuff like that. Um, when, when it comes to to running as a as a judge, um, what other strategies do you have besides knocking on doors? I feel like you're busy too, aren't you? A judge, like <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like I, um, I, I, like even taking the time out here, you know, I appreciate that. Right, and I'm doing it over my lunch hour, so. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, time is a rare commodity for, for anybody and more so for me right now because I am also working. So um, I, I don't sleep a lot yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I, do a lot of, I do a lot of this on the weekends for sure. Uh, and you, you mentioned, uh, we, well, we mentioned that you're knocking on a lot of doors. Are you doing anything else? And, and is there a way for, for people to contact you and, and, and have questions and just kind of want to get to know you better? Aside from this great interview, uh, is, is there a way to do that? Sure. I have a Facebook page, which is Elect Judge Huseman. And then I also have a website, www.electjudgehuseman.com, and they can find information about me there. Okay. Have you, have you had anyone like kind of reach out? What kind of questions do you get? Even when you're knocking on doors, you know, what, what kind of questions are, you know, are, are pretty prevalent? I, I, the ones that are pretty prevalent are ones that probably won't surprise you for someone that runs this show. I, I get quite a few questions about um, the homeless. Mm-hmm. I get quite a few questions about drugs in the community those tend to be the, the top ones. You know, nobody talks about the civil justice system because that's just not what makes the news. <laughs> um, but, but those are the things well, that I'm Well, when it hearing. comes to homeless, like how I, – I understand like homeless end up in court sometimes, but it's usually because of drugs or it's not – is it a lot of times that, hey, you were in the park after hours? But I don't know. When you see homeless people come through the courts – like it's 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 over something else, isn't it? Right. Usually, it's related to some other other crime, and they just happen to have the status of being somebody that doesn't have a home or or they're homeless. And Do you figure that out, or is that something that comes in known? Or uh, I guess their address would be not correct. None. And um, usually, what we'll see on a criminal complaint or what we'll hear in court is uh, NPA, no permanent address, sure. and that generally tells us. Do you, Do you approach those people differently? No, I mean, everyone gets treated the same in my courtroom. And mm-hmm. we just, I think the more challenging issues with that population is uh, if they don't show up to court, you know, how do we get a hold of them? Yeah. And so the thing I do a little bit differently with that population is I really, if they have a, a cell phone or a phone number, we really try and capture that information because even though they don't have a permanent address, if we can get a hold of them by phone, that's really helpful because. There are some that absolutely fall through the cracks that they'll make a court appearance uh, and then we just won't see them again. And all of a sudden, you know, they get picked up on a warrant, you know, six, seven months down the road. And that's a little frustrating, but I don't know if there's much we can do about that. Yeah, the, the perpetuating, the, the like piling on things to people that, that that don't have a job, don't have money, don't have a home, maybe don't have transportation to get back to court. Uh, and then just piling on the the things to on top of those people isn't going to help either. Right. I mean, there are significant challenges all the way around, no question about it. But people still need to be held accountable under the law. And um, that's all I guess all I, all I would say about that. All right. That's, uh, that's going to wrap it up with La Crosse County Judge Mark Huseman. Thanks, Mark. Thank you very much, Rick. I appreciate it. All right. Coming up tomorrow, La Crosse, UW La Crosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski.